Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Matthew Stafford. It looks like 12 years in Detroit is enough for any man. But he, yeah, he'll find a team out there, and I will root for him. Unless he goes to the Bears. If he goes to any other team, I will root for him. Oh, baby, it's Super Bowl week, Ahmed Fareed. Are you ready? Chiefs, Bucks, it's finally here. I mean, I was deprived last weekend. No football, what to do? But, but, oh, looky here. Ahmed Fareed's favorite player ever got traded this weekend. So that added some juice and some love. Matt Stafford, we're going get to get into all of it today here on Chris Sims Unbuttoned. You know, we're going to ask me anything, answer some questions, all pro, offense and defensive team. Ahmed's got, what's your segment? What are you going to call it? The underappreciated? The underradar? Yeah, what are you going to do It's here? coined from, from what you said about uh, one player. You called him an under-talked-about player. So I was like, let's make our under-talked-about team. <laughs> so we've got the all under-talked-about people that should be talked about more. And we're going to rectify that situation. Yeah, you're right. We've got the uh, you got your all pro team offense defense some ask me anything we did the homies choice awards where we asked the homies for their thoughts on MVP and offensive rookie of the year defensive rookie of the year so we'll share those results and uh, I do want to say that during Super Bowl week we are presented by Locker Room App the only place for live audio conversations about the sports you care about immediately downloaded it going to check it out here later today seems like a cool thing live conversations with uh with fans of your favorite team all across the world so that sounds like a cool thing kind of like what we do here on Unbutton so Chris let's get into it we're both from our home offices by the way because there's basically like a foot and a half of snow dumping on the northeast right now so if there are a little glitches and if right. there are delays, Chris may have to come and go throughout. The, it's kind of like a live event. Like you don't know what's going to happen over the next hour and a half. It may go well. It may go poorly. You just don't know, Chris. No, you never know. And you never know what might come out of my fucking mouth. So that's just a great <laughs> surprise of entertainment right now. It works well. <laughs> All right. So let's start with uh, let's get into the Matthew Stafford, uh, Jared Goff, Rams, Lions, big blockbuster trade, two former number one picks changing teams. One going to a little bit better location with a little bit better weather. This one comes from Brian. He just goes, first off, thoughts on the Stafford trade. WTAF. What in the actual F, Chris? So when you saw the deal, what was your what, what's your gut reaction and what do you think now? 
Well, my gut reaction was I wasn't shocked. Um, I, I wasn't shocked because I had some inklings that it was it might go down. Uh, that's that's where I'll say I wasn't shocked. Being a guy, of course, yeah, you know, I got my friends around the NFL, and I had been led to believe that talks had gotten serious. But you know, you hear that a lot of times, and you don't know if that's actually going to come to like come to light. Is this deal actually going to get done? Now, I did get word on like. Saturday afternoon, early afternoon, that the Rams were going to make a major play or already had. Either way, it was in the works, the conversation and all that. But then I didn't hear anything for a while. And I, I just like you, got the news basically just from pro football talk later that evening and was just like, wow, unbelievable move. And I really just thought right away of just the McVeigh golf, how quickly that marriage ended. And then just Matthew Stafford and, you know, a, a much deserved new look and new approach that I'm happy for him. He's been beaten down for a long time. So uh, it was cool to see. And that is some trade. And there's a lot to unpack here when we get into it. Yeah, I think Matt Stafford could definitely take a step forward. I don't know. I mean, I'm biased because you're right. He's like my second favorite player of all time behind Barry Sanders. But I think with a competent team and a, a franchise around him that knew what it was doing, I think we'd be talking about him as possibly being a Hall of Fame quarterback because he's put up the numbers, 40,000 yards. He was the quickest to get to that number. I don't know if you feel the same way. I know you're high on him. Um, but w what did you think, first of all, just about um, what, what does this turn the Rams into? Does this make them, because a lot of people said, this makes them yeah. Super Bowl favorites. Do you agree? Do you go that far? Well, I'm not going to say Super Bowl favorites, but it like it makes me think of them as a true Super Bowl contender. Like even last year, as good as things went, I thought, okay, maybe the Rams can get to the Super Bowl, but things would have to fall the right way. You know, they'd probably need a little luck against the Packers and then, you know, Aaron Donald might have to make some amazing plays in the NFC Championship for them to actually get there. Now I go, no, crazy stuff doesn't have to happen. They got a good defense. They got a good offensive system. And now you have a legitimate top 10 type quarterback in the NFL as far as talent's concerned. I mean, I just got done doing a, having a conversation and an interview with Kyler Murray, Ahmed. And I, we asked him, me and Florio asked him about, you know, Stafford, coming out to the NFC West. And he, he right away was just like, man, I think Matthew Stafford's a superstar. He's one of the best throwers I've ever seen in my life. So he's going to change this Rams offense. They went from an offense, and I think ultimately this is what led to the divorce between McVay and Goff, where McVay stuck up for Goff like, in crazy ways in the years prior to this. But I think, you know, lack of performance on the football field, having to constantly manage him and not being able to just call plays and be aggressive. I think that wore on him. And then we got into that aspect this year where, wait, you're the highest played player on the team and you're nowhere near performing like you're one of the best players on the team. And then I think the last straw is – from a guy like McVeigh, the John Gruden school, wait, you're not going to make plays. You don't bring a lot of juice to the building and energy and leaderships every day. You're paid the highest guy on the football team. And now I don't trust you to take care of the football. Though, when, I think that was the last draw. And I think that's what hit like 
the pinnacle this year where there were just some moments where I think Sean McVay had to scratch his head and realized, wait, I can't keep living like this as an offensive play caller, and I need somebody in there that can save my butt every now and then when my game plan or plays aren't working you know, up to full capacity. Yeah, the Rams have a strategy here, obviously. Their last number one first-round pick was Jared Goff, and they're not going to have one this year, next year, the year after. They've traded some for Jalen Ramsey also. And I almost think I I give them credit because once you start trading your your number one picks and you've got a team that the window's right now, I mean, why stop there? There's no reason to go halfway, right? If you feel like the missing piece is that quarterback to take you that next level and you need to compete here in the next two or three years – what are those first round? I, I, I give the Rams credit for it's just like once you've started it, continue it, Chris. That's what I think. Well, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And you know what? We'll, we'll get back to the Detroit side of the trade too. But I think both teams and both franchises kind of stayed within the molds of how they want to build the team. I do. Hey, Brad Holmes, he was, you know, comes from the Rams. He was a draft expert type guy. So, oh, yep, right. We're rebuilding a team. I'm going to do it through the draft. That's where, you know, he made his money and and made waves in the Rams organization. The Rams themselves have not been like that, like you said, the last few years. It's the one thing I give them credit for. They're not shy. They don't, like, dip their toe in the water. They go for it every year. I mean, they basically push the chips into the middle of the pile and go, we're all in. We're here to try to win a Super Bowl. And that's all we're here for. It's not about consolation prize or anything like that. And I do like that. I think when you take into account, you know, the fact that it is L.A. and the Rams seem to know what city they're playing in and that star power is going to move the needle. You know, the Lakers, it's star power. Okay, the Rams. Hey, Ramsey, Aaron. Uh Uh-oh. Chris is locked up. Give him a second. He has a shocked look LA on his face. Guy, there he is. He's that'll back. Get the, you go, yeah, yeah, that's going to get back. the casual L.A. guy now to go, wait, wait, I usually go drink Mai Tais and sit by the beach on Sunday. Maybe I'll go watch Stafford and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald because this kind of looks like a fun team to watch. So they understand that aspect. And the other thing, too, Ahmed, is, you know, you, you said it a little bit. The draft is about unproven commodities. It doesn't always work out the way you want. They're going with proven commodities and then also filling in with bargain-free agent signings, and then they find their few middle-round bargain draft picks to fill in the team. And they feel like they can be sustainable and be good that way, and I give them credit for it, and I don't see why they can't. Yeah, look at who the Lions got with a number three overall pick, Jeff Okuda, who was one of the worst-performing rookies uh, this season was put in some tough spots, but you were not very high right. on him. And no slam dunk. You, you were right not to be high on him. So here's what people are saying about the compensation here. And, and I think you did the show with Florio. He said the same thing. Josh tweeted in, why are people hating on the Rams? When you break it down, they gave up a one and a three for Stafford and a one to offload the $45 million contract of Jared Goff for the next couple of years. And I think that's the consensus. I don't know that that's right, though, Chris, because – you look at the other offers that were out there that have been reported on. Apparently, the, the Carolina Panthers offered a number eight overall pick. Um, the Lions did not take that one, although you said on the show that that's because Matt Stafford basically didn't want to go to Carolina, right? Yes. Right. My understanding is that Matthew Stafford said no to New England, no to the Carolina Panthers, and no to the Denver Broncos. You know, again – you, you, nobody knows Matthew Stafford better than you. 
And yeah, mm-hmm. there's some things you like about Carolina. Like I, I'd be excited about some of the weapons they got and all that, but it's still too many unknowns. Hey, I got respect for Matt Rule, but it's only his first year in the NFL. We don't know where that's going yet. And Matt Stafford's like, wait, I've been in that situation for the last 12 years. I don't need to go like flirt with that situation again. So he wants to go somewhere that's a proven commodity. And right now the Rams are a proven commodity. McVay is a quarterback guy. There was a relationship there prior to all of this happening. And, and you know, I think Stafford pushed the trade in that direction, let alone you got the home cooking of, hey, Brad Holmes just came from the Rams and now is the GM with the Detroit Lions. So he's got the inside track on communication and just being the first person to get into conversations with McVay and Les Snead about this trade altogether. So do you like it from the Lions perspective? Because here you got no no first round pick this year. Although I, I kind of like that because I feel like there's going to be no other year that's more of a crapshoot in the draft than this year. You have some players that sat out the entire year. What True. tape do we have on some of these guys who even did play? And so while this year's a crapshoot, they get the third round pick. Then they can wait. They can get the two first round picks in subsequent years. Now, they're not going to be very high, I don't think. And I'm not rooting against my guy, Matt Stafford, to make those picks. I just refuse to do it. I'm not going to do that. So they're going to be late first round picks, you'd think. Um, but there's still value at the, at the end of the first round. And if nothing else, you can use those to, to trade up higher in the, to the round. Well, definitely. And Brad Holmes understands how to build through the draft. I mean, that's kind of how they built things originally when Sean McVay just got there. They had a lot of good, young, talented football players that were mostly draft picks. And I think that's where, you know, the Detroit Lions look at it and they're trying to build a new culture and just a whole new outlook for their organization. And this is where Brad Holmes made his hay doing this type of thing. So he's going to go with what he feels comfortable. And then that also gives, you know, the team and everybody like, hey, we're, we're all fresh. We're all new here and the coaches. And now the coaches can mold the younger players to be a part of the culture and fit in the right way. So I have no problem with the way they're doing things. And Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and, and, and company, they obviously feel good enough that they think Jared Goff, you know, can, can be serviceable, be good enough. They can win games. That, you know, I don't know how they view him. But they obviously view him as a starting quarterback in football. And – uh, I, so I have no issue to answer that question. I do want to get back to like, you know, the one aspect of like why everybody's talking like, uh, oh, was that too much to trade for Matthew Stafford and things like that? And, you know, I think you broke it down the right way. You traded away a first and a third to get Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And then that other first round pick was about unloading Jared Goff. Which, again, let's put this in perspective, all right? We got one guy, and again, this is my evaluation, and I'm not trying to be personal. You know I'm just all about football. Matt Stafford is a top 10 talent in football. Jared Goff, for my studies, I would say, is a bottom 10 talent for football. So now you take those two things, and now the guy that is the top 10 talent, he costs half as much as the guy who's the bottom 10 talent. So that's going to raise the price. You're getting the better player for far much cheaper price. And that's where that extra first rounder comes into play in this situation. 
And I don't think people should be all that shocked by, by that, uh, by the facts of this matter. Well, certainly, and then you have a team in the Rams that are going to be up against it in salary cap, maybe not as much now with getting rid of Jared Goff, but that's why they, they did it, is that they have a little more flexibility right there, and so that is worth a, a first-round pick to them. And I think from the Lions' perspective, uh, who knows? Uh, who knows if it was that first-round pick, that future first-round pick? I mean, who knows? It could have been. They could have valued him as a third-round pick, or they almost could have valued him as like neutral, like trade neutral, not trade positive or negative. Like, we'll just take him on. Uh, for nothing, because I think you're right. I think Detroit sees him as a guy that can have a shot on a team that's rebuilding. And if it doesn't work out in two years, what's the big deal? I mean, you, you weren't really planning on competing this coming year or the year after probably anyway. And so you give uh, Jared Goff, a former number one pick, a, a second chance and see, see if he comes in motivated to prove everyone wrong. That's right. And, you know, there's there's a guy there that obviously believes in him. We just talked about Brad Holmes and how he helped build the, yeah. through the draft with the Rams. I, I would imagine he was one of those guys that said, hey, Jeff Fisher and Rams, yeah, this guy's good. We should trade up to be the number one pick and do that. So they believe in Jared Goff's talents. I, I, I think they do. And that's, to me, that's going to be the interesting going forward, too. You know, hey, listen, with the Rams and McVay and Stafford, of course, I expect the offense to be better. You know, you, you, Jared Goff is it's it's a lot of short throws. It's the least amount, you know, air yards in football when he throws the ball. It's always plays served up, you know, on the bootlegs and quick play action passes that are just not high degree difficulty type plays for a quarterback. But now you got a guy like Stafford who we know can he can execute any play in the history of playbooks. Wherever the throw is, he can make it. So not only does he going to make the normal bread and butter plays of the Rams better, I do think McVay now, and this might put pressure on McVay too, to where now he's going to be able to be that mad scientist and go, wait, I've never been able to do this play or run, you know, a play action, let him boot out to the right, and now we're going to throw it all the way across the field and run a post corner 45, 50 yards down the field on the other sideline. It's going to allow him to be a lot more creative, too. And I'm very interested to see that aspect and what Sean McVay can bring, you know, as far as uh, his creative boundaries and, and what else he'll bring to that offense with a guy like Stafford, at quarterback. So you said it puts them in the conversation for Super Bowl favorites right now. Would you say that this makes them the favorite to win a very difficult NFC West? And part two to that question, Chris, how come your boy Kyle didn't step up and pay the price for Matt Stafford? Well, that, that's a good question. You know, from everything I know, the 49ers were very involved in the conversations. You know, the other team I heard about it was the Colts. Um, you know, I, I, I know they were. I don't need to speculate or anything. Those are the teams that were involved. But again, you know, when you have familiarity between two organizations and things like that, it's hard to crack in there once they've gotten too far down the road as far as, you know, trade conversations and things like mm -hmm. that. And the other aspect of this is, you know, Detroit, okay, we're trading our quarterback. We need a quarterback back. Obviously, they like Jared Goff. You know, maybe they maybe they weren't cool with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know what went on there. But, you know, I think the one thing you could take away from these teams that were interested in Stafford, and, you know, I heard the Colts were very interested, and that makes sense. They're ready right now. You know, same with the 49ers. When they're healthy, they're ready right now. 
I would think you hear all these same teams, though, Ahmed, get talked about in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes that are about to come up here soon as well. Obviously, there's these teams have some interest in upgrading their quarterback position. So too early to tell on a, a favorite in the NFC West because, yeah, things can still change between now and next year. Final question comes from JT exactly. yeah. Wistrasil says, uh, do you think the Lions will still take a quarterback at number seven? So if you were the Lions and you were the new GM, would you still consider if uh, a quarterback – there are a few good quarterbacks in the draft this year. If there's a quarterback you like at seven, if you take him. Yeah, I, I think that's still – should be on the table for them. You know, I get the sense by making this move that they won't look to do that. I feel like Brad Holmes is in the corner of Jared Goff and that I don't think in my heart of hearts that they're going to be thinking about trying to draft a quarterback in the top 10. I think they're going to try to give Jared Goff a chance to be the guy and maybe be a part of turning around their football team. You know, I don't think it's going to be a good look for the Lions if you traded away a Stafford, now you're playing double the money for a quarterback that's not as good, and now you're going to draft a quarterback too? You know, that could lead to a lot of people going, wait, what the hell? Why did we get Jared Goff? What was the point of all this too? So, no, I think they're going to try to make Goff work more than anything. That's just I don't know that, Ahmed, but that's just what my heart and my football IQ would tell me right now. Big blockbuster trade cha changes the trajectory of two teams. I would say that, although the trajectory of the Lions is unchanged for the last five decades. So I, who knows what, what this will do. They just have uh, some hope and some picks for the future. Detroit Lion getting draft capital and the L.A. Rams getting Matt Stafford and Ahmed Farid as a secondary fan. So it's like a two-for-one deal for Sean McVay and the Rams. they got to appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Chris, are you ready? We, we, uh, we've got uh, the under-talked-about awards coming up later, the Homies' Choice Awards for MVP. we got some more Ask Me Anything questions. But right now, it is time to unveil the Chris Sims 2020 All-Pro Team. And I think we'll start with your offensive players here. Uh, so if a player did not make the All-Pro Team, if they did not make the Pro Bowl Team, no, it doesn't matter because they can still make the Chris Sims all-pro team for 2020. Yes, very, very special. I mean, <laughs> and compared to those, of course, you'd want to be on the Chris Sims unbuttoned all-pro team. It's very important. If you had your pick, that's what you would pick. You're right. If you don't make it, then you hope you made one of those other two teams. All right, so let's start, uh, Chris. So with this team, was there any special criteria? Are these players that you liked the most? Are they players that had the best stats? Like, what was your criteria for your team? No, yeah, I don't go, you know me, I don't always go by stats. Stats are certainly taken into account, you know, but like, listen, I had certain offensive linemen and players I looked at to where, okay, if it was close, yeah, I went with the one that I just like and think is better, just on my own, you know, my, my own basis or evaluation. But in other things too, certainly where I looked at, okay, wait, both these players are very good. It's really close. I am big into, like, looking at the schedule. Who had a tougher matchups to go against? You know, how did their team play and use them within their offense and things like that? So, no, it's not about Chris Sims' favorite players. I got a few of my favorite players where I feel like these guys are all pro material, and I think they outperform some of the guys that are on the actual all-pro team. 
but those other guys just have popular names or are on awesome teams that get all the popularity and all the notoriety that way. So it's a little mixed. But I tried to go by what I thought were the best players at each position. That's really what I did. All right. And we start with quarterback on the Chris Sims 2020 All-Pro team. I do not know the answers to these beforehand. You have not shared them with anyone. But we all know, and the homies will guess this one too, your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> That's right. You're damn skippy. That damn skippy. I mean, again, listen, it, it, you know, whether you agree with me or not, I don't think anybody who watched football this year would sit here and go, wait, he's outside the top two or three quarterbacks in a football still at this point. Now, I think certainly, yes, he had the best year out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, I think the other quarterbacks that he was in this conversation with have a better support system than Aaron Rodgers. So that's where, yes, not only is the MVP of football, he played the position the best, most consistently all year long. And I, you know, again, like I said, it wasn't a superstar cast around him. Certainly guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen had more talent around him. I think he could sit there and even say that about Russell Wilson to a degree. Here's my one thing I want to say about Aaron Rodgers, all right? And this has been pissing me off a lot ever since oh, they lost no. the playoff game. I see way too many comments of people going like, Aaron Rodgers choked in the game. And I want to be like, what? Because he didn't run it in on that third down, so he choked. Like, that's ridiculous talk. No, no evaluator would evaluate that as a negative. If we're going to get starting in to get into that into the negatives, then, man, Brady, like, every play in the game was negative except for, like, four or five plays. That's just insane. And here's the other thing I just want to say, too. Because people are, oh, Aaron Rodgers, it's the playoffs. They choke. Okay, not right. No. Nobody's lost more games throwing for three touchdowns and one interception in the playoffs history than Aaron Rodgers. The team never supports him. He can't catch the ball for Aaron Jones. He can't get Mike Pettin out of dumb defensive play calls, right? I mean, those are stupid as stupid as can get. You know, there's a lot of other things there. But – because the team is so based around Aaron Rodgers and his success is totally predicated on Aaron Rodgers and his ability to execute offense, this is why they don't win a lot of playoff games every year. It's hard to execute in the playoffs. The defenses are better, and as we saw, they don't call pass interference. You're allowed to call no one, no holding or pass interference except for one play that whole game. There was holding and pass interference every play in that game. But the teams that have to rely on execution, that's not a good thing for them. And they're not a super talented team. See, the teams with talent, like Mike Evans or a Tyree Kill, oh, you're holding me? Oh, great. Get off me. I'm going to run by you. Oh, I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. It doesn't matter. You can't hold me. They don't have those type of athletes on the side of the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Adams is very good. Chris Sims' power rankings of wide receivers were closer to the truth than him being number one. The playoffs showed Devontae Adams is not a top five receiver. He's not a difference maker that way. He's awesome. He's a top 10 receiver. I don't give a damn how many catches he has. He is not a top five talent at the position that makes DBs shake in their boots. So sorry, I had to get that off my chest with that first uh, all-pro <laughs> nomination there and Aaron Rodgers 
Man, this is uh, the guys that you thought had a great year, and I did not think that you would get that fired up about your your number one here. You pick Aaron Rodgers. I would have had Tom Brady as the quarterback, but that's just me. Um, You know that about me. I would have put Tom there just to fire you up even more. I'm just joking, by the way. Uh, Okay, you're running back. Uh, You're all pro pro running back. This one I have no idea. Actually, for a lot of them, I will have no idea. Um, You're all pro running back. Well, I'm not going to go to Crazyville here. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. He was okay. the best running back in football. There's no denying that. I'm not going to try to just be, you know, contrarian just to be contrarian. No, he's a stud. The team is based around him. He's the best running back in the league. There's no denying that. And, hey, Dalvin Cook's awesome. Nick Chubb right there. They're right there nipping at his heels. But this was – these first two positions were no-brainers. They stood out above the rest, quarterback and mm-hmm. running back. I don't think anybody would have anything different than those two right now. You're right. I lied. That one was easy, too. Aaron Rodgers, Derrick Henry, number one. I mean, yeah, there's some other names of guys that had pretty good years and pretty good runs. I think Alvin Kamara had a pretty good run this year, but uh, nothing like Derrick Henry did. All right, three receivers you're putting. You're right. Right. Three three receivers you're putting on your team, so you're in a trips formation, perhaps all on one side. Uh, Who are your all-pro receivers? Well, yeah, T- Tyree Kill's my first choice. Tyree Kill to me is still the, the most dangerous weapon in all of football. Uh, and for what he does for that offense, when he touches the ball, it's scary. Watch out. There's my first one. Stephon Diggs is my second one. And Stephon Diggs, my second one, yeah, we know the stats and all of that. But so many of the stats were not, you know, designed by the playbook. And, yeah, Josh. Shallon gets some credit for that. But Diggs, I think I love about Diggs is there is just no weakness to his football game. Top-tier route runner, can do all the underneath stuff, can beat you deep, and then he's a football player. He's got great feel for, oh, wait, Josh Allen's scrambling. I'll find the right place to go and do all that. So he's going to be my other one. And then my third, I'm going with DK Metcalf. I am. DK Metcalf is going to be my third receiver because – I think one-on-one, other than Tyree Kill, he's the most physically tough, intimidating cover in all of football. And I know he doesn't have as many catches as Devontae Adams and some of the other receivers that are out there. It's still about he lines up in one spot the whole game. He almost always comes through. It's big plays. He affects the game because there's a lot of double coverage that he takes and it does other things to the football team. And – for me, DK Metcalf was certainly one of the three best receivers in football this year. Uh, some other names out there. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Allen Robinson Tough. had a good year. Keenan had yep. a, a lot of receptions. Um, those guys. Devontae Adams, of course, was right there. Devontae Adams. Uh, Justin Jefferson. He was fourth Ooh. this year. Wow. Fourth in yards this year. For I Justin know. Jefferson. All right. So uh, some in consideration. But Chris goes with Hill, Diggs, Metcalf. Perhaps an early look at your top 10 receivers next year. Hey, uh, Devontae Adams is going to be on there next year. I can promise you that. He ain't going to be in the top five. I can also promise you that. More controversy coming with that list. It was the most controversial list, which it's it's hard to beat your quarterback list because usually that creates some firestorms. I don't know how you did it with your wide receivers, but yeah, yeah absolutely crushed it. Uh, <laughs> although that's not your goal. That's not your goal. All right, tight end. Uh, I'm thinking here. 
Travis Kelsey. I'll be surprised if it's anyone else. Yes, you should be. The only one I think that's even in the class of Travis Kelsey is maybe Darren Waller for the Raiders, right? But Kelsey, special year. I, I, I really, I don't know if, you know, I've ever seen a tight end like Travis Kelsey. Listen, at this point of his career, do I think like a guy like George Kittle is, you know, more explosive, can make big plays than Travis Kelsey, is a better blocker? Yes, but of course we know he was hurt for a lot of the year. But where I say I've just never seen anything like Kelsey, I've never seen a big guy, a tight end, as limber, as loose as he is, the ability to put his foot in the ground and cut, come out of breaks just like seamlessly. It's very special, let alone like we talked about with Stefan Diggs, that backyard aspect of like, like it's like, it's like you and me, how we have this, like we can look at each other and we know what we're thinking, right? It's like Mahomes, I feel like when he scrambles, it's like, well, where's 87? And then 87's like, oh, my telepathic brain is telling me to move here because Mahomes wants me to. And they connect. It's just, it's special. He's, a, he's one of the best, if not the best, natural receiving tight ends I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, very good. And proving it even more in the playoffs, like an unguardable force. You've got Hill, you've got Kelsey, and it's unfair with Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't, it doesn't even seem like he needs those kind of weapons, but he's got him in Andy Reid's system. Uh, one of the reasons why I, I enjoy doing the show with you all the time, Chris, is that we give love to the, to the big uglies up front. It's not all just about the, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the running backs. So you're going to win position by position on the offensive line. We'll start on the left side of the line, your left tackle for 2020 All-Pro Chris Sims team. I'm going to go with Trent Williams here. I, I know David Bakhtiari won the, the actual All-Pro, and he was really second right here. Like, you know, as far as, man, that's nitpicking between these two. But where I think I give Trent Williams the advantage or just where he impressed me maybe more than, than Bakhtiari. Williams is so special in the run game. And that's where I think that, you know, pass protection, it's really close. I mean, they're both unbelievable. You don't ever have to worry about anything when they're anchoring your left side of the line. But Williams, to me, is a very, very special run blocker. And they ask him to do very advanced things for a left tackle. Shanahan, that, that offense, all the movement they do, they ask their offensive linemen to pull and get to the second level and do intricate things maybe more than any other offense in football. And that's really where I kind of gave him the advantage there. Trent Williams on the left side, left tackle is your pick. Are you moving anyone around? Are you are you cheating at all and going to move? No, like you can move Bakhtiari to the right side. Oh, you are okay. No, you know I know. I stayed true though. I stayed true to left tackles. I kept them there, and I kept right tackles and right tackle. All right, let's go left guard then, Chris. Okay, well that's where. Oh, you know what? I didn't even put guards. I just went guards in general. Okay, <laughs> so I don't care where they. You're are. cheating. They figure that out. They, yeah. they can figure that out. They as can. Far as the totally. guards are concerned. But they're, they're the all, first they're one all I'm gonna... Sims 2020. They're smart enough to do that. Definitely, and, and it's not as a big of adjustment for a guard to play the left side or the right side as compared to tackle. But Quentin Nelson, you know, left guard Quentin Nelson. All right, uh, just. I don't know. There's really just not a better offensive lineman in football to me still than Quentin Nelson. There's just pass protection. He's immovable. You know, run game, he's a bulldozer. 
and can do it all in the run game, whether that's pulling or getting to the second level or just absolutely coming off straight ahead and just bulldozing people that way. Uh, Quentin Nelson still one of the best in the game. All right, let's do your other guard then, too. Joel Batonio from the, the Cleveland Browns will be my okay. other one. You know, I know Wyatt Teller got a lot of talk there this year as far as his great year, which well-deserved. Yeah. It was very good. Batonio, to me, is a better all-around football player than Wyatt Teller. You know, Wyatt Teller, awesome in the run game, got some work to do in the pass game. Batonio has none of those issues, let alone, you know, again, that offense, the run in the ball, there was a lot on him, Batonio, what they do. That Kubiak-Stefanski run system, you know, all of that. He's a great pulling guard as well. You know, I, I looked at Joel Batonio as being one of the more impressive guards in all of football this year. Ali Marpet, uh, Brandon Sheriff yeah. for Washington yeah. also, I'm sure, in, uh, in the conversation for you. Definitely. They were right there. Um, and I feel like I'm missing another name that I can't think of. But Ali Marpet and Scherf are the next ones, I think, right there on that list to, to uh, for me. They would have been above Wyatt Teller, who I believe Wyatt Teller was the second All-Pro guard, right? Uh, on the uh, actual yeah. All-Pro team. I have to look back at it. I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's fill out your line. Let's go. Uh, let's go to right tackle, and then we'll finish with center. So let's go right tackle. Well, yeah, right tackle. I, I'm going with Ryan Ramschek. Uh, Ryan Ramschek is the best right tackle in football. You know, I know that like Jack Conklin. You know, he got a lot of love this year. He goes to Cleveland. Things look really good that way. I just think the diversity of the offense with the Saints, it's much more diverse than what the Browns do. They ask a lot of their right tackles. Ramchek's one of those guys. You don't even know he's on the team there because we only talk about tackles when something bad happens for the most part, the right <laughs> tackle. You never hear anything bad happen over there. Yeah. You know, he, he really is. He's got great power. He can stop power rushers in the, in the pass game and run game. He's your typical you know, Wisconsin road grader type. So uh, that's my other tackle. And your anchor of your offensive line, the center. This wasn't even close. I don't think anybody played as well as Corey Lindsley this year at the center position. Uh, I had a hard time really finding anybody to even, you know, compete in that narrative. Uh, I know there's some other good centers out there this year, but I, I didn't see anybody that was, you know, I felt like it was a little bit of a down year for Jason Kelsey with with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, the the Ragnow with the Detroit Lions, yeah. good but not to the level Lindsley played. Uh, the guy in Tampa, Jensen, I love him. He's awesome in the run game. But, man, he gets beaten the pass game too much. Lindsley's a guy that it, it's almost perfection across the board. He was by far the best center in football. Yeah, J.C. Treader, also in a, another guy who's up there. Yeah. And, and no mystery Definitely. why Cleveland was able to run the ball so well this year, right? It seems like we've mentioned right. every one of their offensive linemen. Yes. No, it's, it was a special group. And, you know, I, I took that into an account, too, a little bit, where, you know, hey, yeah, Wyatt Teller, it's, it's not hard to play guard sometimes when you got a center and another guard and a tackle like that mm. next to you who are really damn good. Not to take anything away from him, but, the, like, those are like Conklin and Ramchek, both awesome. I think it's just the diversity of the Saints offense that I thought about more that is more impressive to me when it's a close one like that and what they ask the right tackle to do maybe compared to Conklin and Cleveland. 
So Brandon Sheriff, Pete Notes, was the right guard on the NFL's all-pro team. Jack Conklin was the right tackle. So they are left off of the Chris Sims 2020 all-pro team, but they have a consolation prize there. Aaron Rodgers, Derrick Henry, are the uh, the quarterback running back, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, your tight end, Trent Williams, Quentin Nelson, Corey Lindsley, Joel Bentonio, uh, Bentonio, and Ryan Ramchek on your offensive line. That team's going to win a few games. That team would win a few games, right? I there. would say so. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. We'll no, get it's your, not easy doing yeah. these damn lists. No, you leave off a lot of guys. You make a lot of people angry. They come at you, and then you go at them. And it's this vicious cycle of anger and hate that goes around and around that uh, makes things go here on Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We'll get to your defense in just a second, Chris. Um, but let's get a few of the homies' questions here. Uh, the Ask Me Anything. We haven't done one of these in a while. And I thought this one was kind of interesting, and so did Pete. Uh, Enma Perez 09. If all positions were of equal value on the field, who would be the best player in the NFL? So if quarterbacks weren't this, you know, outlier of like by far the most important position, and quarterbacks are always going to be the most important position in football. If every position was just as important as quarterback, who would be the best player in the NFL? So I guess you have to think like who is far and away the best player at their position. Uh, and you might've just mentioned it at, at center there <laughs> for Corey Lindsley. But uh, what, what do you think? Who is the best player in the NFL? If oh, they're all equal. Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Holy cow. It is. I guess. It is. <laughs> no, you know, some of the quarterbacks, right. You know, again, Mahomes didn't have the best, most consistent year. Yeah, but I'm still going to look at him as one of the best players in the NFL overall. And if you give me one pick to start my team, yes, I'm still going to take him because he. But is he that? Is he that much better than you know? Is the gap between him and Watson or him and Aaron Rodgers that much? Like Aaron Donald, I I think Aaron Donald. You think of him and the next. I think that's a great, great pass rusher. Yes. I mean, he stands alone. He's in that conversation. Definitely. I think when you look at him, gosh, I could even say Jalen Ramsey, you know, I, Aaron Donald probably stands above the rest as far as, you know, compared to the rest of the people at his position and just being consistently dominant that way. So he would probably be, yes, the number one pick. Definitely. But I think some of the quarterbacks, even though they're quarterbacks, And I know Mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of say like, oh, it's not as important as the other ones. But if we're just playing for the the exercise here, hey, I I don't know. Mahomes, Rodgers, Watson, Josh Allen. Yeah, they're going to be the top of football too. I mean, you got the ball in your hand and they just affect the game in too many ways with special plays right now. So I hate to be that guy, but I think, you know, that that's, that's about where my brain is with that one. Sure. I, I think so. You know, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, pass rushers, certainly in that conversation too. They change yeah. the game a lot. Um, that's a tough one, but I guess that's my answer there. It's a hard one. Derrick Henry, it seemed like this year was head and shoulders above everyone else at the running back position, so that might be one to consider as well. Uh, since we're talking about quarterbacks here, Chris, go Longhorns 45. If you're Urban Meyer, so this Lions and Rams trade got everyone thinking here, is that if you're Urban Meyer – do you offer the number one overall pick to Houston for Deshaun and perhaps another player or a pick there? So if you're sitting back, 
Jacksonville Jaguars. I think I asked you this about Matt Stafford before, but what if you, you see the opportunity to have Deshaun Watson and kickstart your, your rebuild with a new coach uh, that way? Do you do it? Do you try to pull it off? It's, cr- it's crossed my mind. And I mean, yes, you do do it. You try to, sure. Uh, I, I, would, I would always say, listen, as, as, as awesome as I think Trevor Lawrence can be, I already know how awesome Deshaun Watson is. It is, it is special. It's the type of talent where you go, he's going to be a top five quarterback for the next, you know, eight, 10 years. He has that type of talent to be dancing around, you know, that, that top five area. So I would, and it's crossed my mind too. in the fact, Ahmed, and this is where I think it's a good question. You know, I think that's, that's one of those where Houston might like that, right? They might go, wait, okay, we get Trevor Lawrence, you know, He's Clemson, you know, Southern boy, going to fit everything we like here. We could get the fan base to get around him, the superstar Clemson quarterback, all that. Uh, mm. I think that would definitely be, you know, a feasible thought by Jacksonville. Now, they're going to have to give up more to go along with that. And the other aspect where I just don't think it happens is Deshaun Watson has final say here. And that's going to be the, the biggest problem with that. He has a no trade clause. And what right. he doesn't want to go from the Houston Texans to go, hey, let me go in the same situation and be a part of another rebuild with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's where I don't think it's realistically going to happen. What a mess this whole thing is. You got a player with a no trade clause that wants to be traded, uh, but it's just a, it's it's just going to be a mess, and it's going to it's going to carry this yeah. podcast. Yeah. We're going to be talking about this for for months on end. Maybe it'll get resolved sooner than then. I guess it has to. Around any corner, within every battle. And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, so the, here's one. Here's a crazy one to throw it at you. UT Madden, would you trade Lamar Jackson in a first-round pick for Deshaun Watson? So more of a hypothetical, but if you were the Ravens and you had the chance to do that, would you consider it? Well, no, I would not. I think you're in too deep right now with Lamar Jackson and the way the team is built and formulated, that it would be a mistake to go, 
And Deshaun, we know, listen, he's a special athlete and he can run, but not like Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's, that's a different stratosphere of running. And they've built the offense and the team and the scheme and everything around that. So that wouldn't make sense, you know? And then, of course, the Texans would have to look at it and go, wait, we have to now build our team a different way, too, because Lamar Jackson's not Deshaun Watson, and we got to change some yeah. things around that way as well. So that's where I think that, that conversation probably falls apart. Squashing the hypothetical. There were a lot of questions about... Well, that's a good question. I like the hypothetical. Yeah, I do, too. It makes me think it's a good question. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of questions, Chris, about uh, about the 49ers. You addressed it a little bit with Kyle at the top of the show and talking about the Matt Stafford trade. Uh, this is from Quest for Six. So 49ers fan, would you uh, – no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, hey, Chris, what would you give up for Watson if you are the Niners? Also, please convince Kyle, sincerely, every Niners fan. So he is speaking for all Niners fans and saying they want to give up whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to convince him too. Anybody been listening to this podcast or, or pro football talk, I've been saying it freely for the past week. I, I'm, I'm sure my buddy Kyle Shanahan, if he does listen, which he probably doesn't, he's probably not happy to hear that, but I don't know. That's just what I think. You know, you know me. I don't hold any punches. I evaluate this stuff all year long, all right? They're a team that's in the Super Bowl window. you got a quarterback who's, one, inconsistent, but – Two, and more importantly, can never stay healthy. So that's an issue. I don't know what anyone to say that. See, people have, like, they got to remember that. It's three years. It's three out of four years where it's like, no, he's not on the field for the majority of the year. And when you have a team that's in the Super Bowl window, whether you like that guy or not, or know that, hey, when he does play, we're good, man, is that a tremendous risk to take all the time. So that's scary let alone, I think in my heart of hearts, I just think my buddy Kyle Shanahan would love a guy like a difference maker, like a Deshaun Watson. It's going to take, in this case, it's going to take three first rounders. I mean, right? I think so. What we saw with Matthew Stafford, it's going to take three first rounders. And hopefully Houston would be cool with having Jeremy Garoppolo as their quarterback, which I think is a possibility with what they got down there. Of course, Nick Casario came from New England. He drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. That might work. My scare, my scare is this, Ahmed, when it comes to the Watson conversation. We know there's going to be teams involved. We just saw the teams involved in the Matthew Stafford trade. So now it's Deshaun Watson. And I think there'll be more teams even involved with that. I worry that really at the end of the day, you get six or seven teams who are all now competing for Watson, that it, it might end up being four first round picks to get him. Wow. Now, maybe you get away if you have a really good starting quarterback to trade to him. Maybe you get three, but I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be. And I'm interested to see where this whole conversation goes. If it gets to that point, Chris, is it worth it? Like as great as Deshaun Watson is, like, is it worth it? Because it does limit your ability to, to fill out the rest of your team. We've talked about that with quarterbacks and once you once you get past that rookie deal, it does make it a little bit of a roster crunch. If you really had to give up four first-round picks, would you do it? I'd have to feel like my team was in the Super Bowl window or really close right now, something along those lines. Yeah. You know, like, if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm thinking about doing it. Your team, 
they've been the best football team in football for like the last three years. They just, they got issues at that position. I don't really want to say it. It holds their team back a little bit. But in my heart of hearts, I think this was it for Drew Brees. I don't think he'll be back next year. Like that'd be a team where I'd be the Saints. I'd be like, hey, we'll give you Jameis and Taysom Hill and, you know, first round picks. Can we get Deshaun Watson back? You know, so it's going to be interesting. I don't know if four first rounds going to happen, but I'm just saying I don't think it's crazy if we get to the point where you got four or five teams really aggressively pursuing them, and that might end up being the case altogether. And it's risky, certainly. Yeah. And that's, to me, why I think it's going to be the teams that are kind of. Uh-oh. Chris is frozen. He will be back momentarily. This happens from time to time when his kids play Xbox. He's back. Chris. I'm here. Okay, good. All right. You just froze up there just for one second. Good. good. Uh, okay. I know. I know I did. So, so Chris, so, so while, you know, uh, this has got people thinking on the Philadelphia side as well. Where was this question? Oh, yeah. Fillmore Museum. With everyone focused on Stafford sitting the market for Watson, do you think this move will have any effect on the Wentz situation in Philly? So has this greased the wheels for anything that Philly might be able to do with Carson Wentz? I guess in the idea that you got this – this uh, guy like a Jared Goff, and you can pawn off. You might have to throw in some draft capital, um, but get something back that you really like. Yeah, definitely. And I, honestly, I think Wentz is, is you know, more highly regarded than Goff in NFL circles to where you won't have to pawn off maybe as much just to get rid of it. But the, the, I guess my big thing would be more of this as far as, the way things shook down with Stafford, you know, I don't think Houston's going to want to trade Deshaun Watson within the division. And to me, now I, I, I perk up to go, wait, are the Colts going to make a move for Carson Wentz? Frank Reich was mm. in Philadelphia. Will they make a move and do that? You know, does that make that more of a, a legit thing right now? I still don't know what the hell's going on in Philadelphia. I don't. And I don't, I don't know where it's going to go. I like Nick Sirianni. Of course, he didn't have the greatest first press conference in the history of coaches. We saw that. But then they hire a, a quarterback coach who's got a relationship with Jalen Hurts. You know, And this is where I would like to go with Carson Wentz, who I know doesn't listen to anything being said in Philadelphia, and where I want to go to him like, hey, listen, you need to listen to what's being said in Philadelphia. Nobody likes you there. Yes, the team likes you, but nobody else does. And that's not good. As much as I want to say, hey, I know you want to stick it out with your team, and that's where you were drafted, the fan base does not seem to support him. And if I'm him, I don't care what they do at coaches. That's tough to overcome when the fan base, and especially that fan base, and now there might be another quarterback sitting behind you that everybody knows and they kind of like the way it looked last year. I think it's still, if I'm Carson Wentz, I'm still forcing my way out of town there in Philadelphia. That's a tough. That's a tough thing to have to tell someone. Like I know you might want to stay, but I just want to let you know nobody likes you there. It's you. You. I just going to be the one to tell you that. <laughs> you just they don't. I'm like, trying to hate tell you. them. I, I am. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, last one, and and you mentioned it a little bit here before we get back to your all pro defensive team for 2020. GM break. 
says, what were your thoughts on Nick Sirianni? Are the Eagles heading down Dallas territory with ownership meddling? You mentioned it, not the greatest press conference, although I was sympathetic to him because we have found ourselves in similar situations on this very podcast where we're saying things and you look back 20 seconds later, and you're like, that was awful. Why did I say it like that? Um, so I yeah. am sympathetic with no. him during that press conference. <laughs> yeah. And, you, you know, you like a better look, of course. Yes. yes. You know, you'd like him to just go up there, not have to read note cards, you know, and, and, and be that way. But coaches, that's not their environment. It really isn't. You know, yeah. and we've seen a lot of good coaches over the years not be necessarily comfortable in those environments. You know, and yes, he was stuttering and bumbling words and doing all those things, and that wasn't a good look. He will be more comfortable when he's in front of the football team and he could talk more like he really wants to talk. You know, that's what happens too sometimes. These coaches, you know, they get worried about, oh, now I got the fans listening to the media. I want to sound professional and say things the right way where really they might be in front of the team and they'd be like, hey, this week we got to fucking play better and we got to fucking do this and that, or we're not going to be around next week and we got to fix these fucking issues and, hey, dude, what's this bullshit? And now all of a sudden they're in a press conference where they got to speak like real professional and they, yeah. they tighten up. So I'm not going to judge too harshly. I do like what he does on the offensive side of the ball. I followed him since he was with the Chargers. So I think there's some interesting things there. But the Eagles – I don't know what to think of them right now. I think there's issues all the way through, and I don't know if it's owner, GM, everything. There's issues throughout the organization, and one of those teams, like you said, we got our eye on to see how they handle all these things this offseason. Well, they play in a winnable division. That's the one good thing going for Philadelphia, if they can somewhat get things back together. Uh, the Chris Sims 2020 All-Pro defensive team, I am guessing, will probably not have a Philadelphia Eagle on it unfortunately you've got two edge you got two interior defensive linemen you're sporting three linebackers on this team two corners and a couple safeties is that correct chris yeah that is okay. correct that's how i did it yes All right. you know i got i got more names written down so if you want to ask me like who just missed out or if you want to add a third corner to the list i'm cool i got it ready i know how my pecking order goes as far as these go but you want to start with the edge guys first? Yeah, I'm almost thinking like if you didn't make the team and you're one of the, not one of the top two edge guys, you don't deserve to be mentioned. But maybe we will still mention them. Uh, yeah, let's start with your two edge guys uh, on your Chris Sims 2020 All-Pro team. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes things in life are just obvious. Like sometimes Nike, Nike basketball sneakers are just the best. Even though they're the most expensive, they're still the best. Sorry. Sometimes it just works like that. Sometimes Coca-Cola is just the best sugar drink you can have. Yeah, it's the richest. It's the best. I think it's the best. I don't know. what. Who knows? Pepsi, what I'm more of like a Pepsi drink. guy. Diet Mountain Dew, but <laughs> we all have our vices. <laughs> all right. Edge guys, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. I'm not – those are the two best edge pass rushers in football. Uh, I'm not going to try to sit here and change things up just to be different or anything like that. Miles Garrett is in that conversation for being one of the best defensive players in the sport, and that goes right along with T.J. Watt. You give me, you know, two guys to start a defense, and I'm I'm picking those two. Pro Football Focus number one, Khalil Mack for the 2020 season. Khalil Mack is 
awesome football player. I want more – I think I want more of a pass rush presence than what I've seen from Khalil Mack the last two years. And I love Khalil Mack. You know I do. He's better – he's awesome at the run and maybe better than these two guys at the run, uh, you know, and with all due respect. But I don't think he's on their level as a pass rusher. And to me, I'm going to give that, you know, a few more eggs in that basket than stopping the run. Uh, for TJ Watt, I give him a lot of credit because obviously you're living in the shadow of your your brother a little bit. And there are a lot of people that said, you know, TJ can can take that next step and be better than than JJ. And that doesn't always work out, but he did. You know, he, he really, I mean, people called it. They said he, this could happen. And he actually was able to produce the season that put him uh, up there amongst the best, Chris. Yes. Uh, versatile, awesome in the run game. You know, and just a naturally gifted pass rusher. There's no other way to say that. And it's one of those things, too, where, you know, I think we hit this during the season and and Pete looked it up at one point for us that, you know, they play in a 3-4 defense. He drops into coverage a lot, right? And that takes away some pass rushes. But, you know, for me, he was one of those guys, didn't matter what game, you turned it on all year, he had tremendous impact. Interior defensive line to help out those guys on the edge, control the run game perhaps. Uh, you got two of these. One is Aaron Donald. I'm uh, Pete has put that in already. We've already put that in. And the other one is uh, still blank, though. Don't know that one. So, Chris, you're two defensive linemen. Yeah, well, you're right about Aaron Donald. I mean, come on. That's, that's a no-brainer. The other one, I'm going with Chris Jones. Chris Jones will be my all-pro defensive tackle. I know DeForest Buckner had a great year. I want to give a shout out to Jerron Payne with the Washington football team. Cam Hayward, phenomenal for the Steelers. We know that. You give me two interior guys to start my team with right now from what I saw off of last year. Chris Jones affects the game in too many ways. I don't care what his stats are. He's as disruptive as anybody in the game, you know, not named Aaron Donald. He's second on that list, and it's not far off for as far as pure disruption. It's not, you know, maybe he doesn't get to the quarterback and get the sacks as much, but he's better and more disruptive in the run game than Aaron Donald. That that is for sure. He's phenomenal at batting passes or making quarterbacks have to readjust where they want to throw because he's got a great feel of getting that big arm up in the air. He is a playmaker and he fucks plays up all over the field. So as much respect as I have for all those guys, to me, man, Chris Jones is one of the under talked about like that. (laughs) <laughs> Under talked about best players in all of football. You're infringing on my territory, which I stole from you, so be careful there. Uh, but uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, agrees with you here. We don't like to have that happen too often, but he was the number two interior defensive lineman this year, according to them. Yep, he was. Aaron Donald, number one. You're three linebackers. You're sporting three linebackers, which honestly, if Chris Sims was running a defense, I, didn't, I would not have pegged you as a three linebacker guy. I would no, think maybe no, nickel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't, but maybe with these three linebackers, we wouldn't need a nickel because they, <laughs> they can play. They can do it all. All right, all right. my first one I'm going with Fred Warner from the 49ers. Fred Warner, you know, sideline to sideline, attacking the ball, pass coverage. He's as good as anybody in the NFL right now. So that to me and, the, and his fit within that defensive scheme is perfect. He has maybe one weakness, and that's that maybe he's not the biggest thumper in the world, right? 
but you can't have it all. He's still an amazing football player. Devin White's going to be my next one. You know, Devin White, listen, there are a few plays here and there during the year where you go, ooh, that was a little raw. He took the wrong pursuit angle or went in the wrong gap. Okay, here and there. But the amount of wow plays and what he does for that defense on a weekly basis, I mean, it's off the charts. I mean, you can't run outside against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Devin White, he's going to run down the running back before they turn the corner. And then, like we talked about with just Fred Warner a second ago, Devin White, there is a little bit more of a thumper to him. So, you know, if you got a fullback or a guard coming at him, he, he can take it on and, and get off or at least stalemate you and then make the tackle that way too. You know, Devin White is a phenomenal talent and a guy that never has to come off the field and maybe the most explosive linebacker in all of football, really, when would, all said and done. And he hasn't even yeah. hit the peak of his career yet. Do you think Devin White would have made your team, though, without his postseason performance? Because he's played really well in the postseason, too. Do you think that, that helped him? I, 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 it, it might have. You're right. Yeah. I thought about that yesterday when I was kind of finishing the team. I was That's like, right. am I picking him because I'm a little bit recent bi- recency biased? You know, maybe, but I still think it was throughout the year. I just had too many moments where I just went, man, this Devin White, these damn linebackers for the Bucks. He is everywhere. And I think this year, really, he became a little more disciplined and scheme-oriented, too. Um, yeah, he's one of the best, best in the game, no doubt about it. And your final linebacker. My last one, I'm going to go a little different here. I mean, this is a guy that I don't even know what the stats are. I'm not sure where he is, and maybe you could look this up, see if it can back me up. Leonard Floyd for the Rams. I'm taking him as my third linebacker. You know, I know he plays a lot of defense end too. I think he's listed as a linebacker still on their depth chart. That's why I chose him. And I found one here where I went, listen, I like Roquan Smith a lot. You know, I like Eric Kendricks a lot up in Minnesota. Floyd had a very special year. And what they asked him to do, you know, containing – he had a big part in containing the Russell Wilsons and the, and the Kyler Murrays of the world and really slowing them down. So I don't know what his PFF grade is. Maybe you could tell me. But to me, that was one of the best linebackers in football this year. I'm having trouble finding him because I think they list him as an edge guy. So you did cheat. You did go – you got a hybrid. You've got two linebackers and you have a hybrid. We'll allow that to happen here. Um, okay. Yeah. And I, I legitimately – think he is listed on their roster as a linebacker. So I didn't cheat. So you know, when PFF, they play a 4-3 front, yeah. he plays yeah. he plays linebacker. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to allow it either way, you know, and you might be right, but we're going to allow it. And uh Pro Football Focus had him ranked 28th among 62 edge players. So we have disagreement here, which I do like. I don't like when you agree with Pro Football Focus too often. Good, good, good. Now things are back to normal again. <laughs> things are back to normal. All right, your secondary. You got two corners. You got two safeties. Uh, your, one of your corners is Jalen Ramsey. You've already brought him up four times unprompted in this show. So Jalen Ramsey, I'm guessing, right. is number one, but I don't know your other one. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey's a superstar. I think you could put Jalen Ramsey to me in the conversation for defensive player of the year with Aaron Donald. I don't give a damn that they're on the same defense. They're both awesome. 
They're both a huge part of that defensive success. And man, do they put a lot of pressure on them. You know, and then Jalen Ramsey, not only a great island corner, you know, usually big corners like that can only match up against big receivers. That's not the case. He can guard the little ones. And the thing I love about Jalen Ramsey is the attitude and tackling he brings along with it. You know, it's more than just covering guys. You know, he brings an attitude and, 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 so, and some energy and some life to that defense. So I give him a lot of credit there. Marlon Humphrey's the other guy I'm going with. Again, I don't give a damn, you know, what his stats or where he's ranked. I, I watch him on defense every week, that Ravens defense. Nobody is asked to do more in coverage than Marlon Humphrey in all of the NFL. I mean, they put him on slot receivers, and they don't help him at all, and they go, hey, can you cover this guy that runs 4-3 and as quick as lighting all over the field, and we're not going to help you in any direction possible? I mean, yeah, he's going to give up a few plays, but there's only like three or four guys in all of football that you can even ask to do that job. And we're, we just got talking about the other one. So he's special. He's a reason they're a top 10 defense. They couldn't even be that defense if they don't have Marlon Humphrey. So, again, that's where – and, you know, you can look it up. I don't know where the grades are. I would think his grade is probably a little bit underwhelming for what he's paid and everything on the Ravens because, mm-hmm. I mean, there was Revis – Island and Marlon Humphrey's constantly on an island too, and 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 it may be in a harder way than Daryl Revis ever was. Yeah, he is twelfth according to Pro Football Focus for cornerbacks, but that's why I mean it's super difficult, even on offensive uh, the offensive side of the ball, is that it's difficult to parse out what the player is being asked to do, how difficult that is compared to what other players are being asked yes. to do. Um, defensively, that's super difficult as well because sometimes you're not privy to what scheme they're running. But you've made the case many times. You just made it for Marlon Humphrey. You've made the case for Jamal Adams that his grades will never look as good because of how many things that he's asked to do that other safeties in the league are not asked to do. Is Jamal Adams one of your two safeties? This is a tough one. Like, I went back and forth with this one. And – Yes, he is. He is one of my safeties. You know, I, I, I couldn't not put him on there. You know, and again, I saw I know he messed up some plays early in the year coverage wise. You know, and I'm not even talking about the ones where he got beat like, oh, wow, Julian Edelman beat him 50 yards down the field. All right. You know, it's like we just talked about. I don't know another safety that was asked to cover a guy like Julian Edelman 50 yards down the field all year long. You know, he was put in a lot of tough positions, but. The reason the Seahawks defense turned around and by the end of the year, the last six, seven games of the year, why they became one of the best defenses of football is because of Jamal Adams and all the different things you can do with him. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Is he a nickelback? I don't know what the hell he is, but he has an effect on the game, let alone when the ball snapped. I mean, he's got one of the best noses for the ball in all of football. So when I look at that, you know, the attitude in which that defense played, his ability to get after the quarterback and make plays behind the line of scrimmage and everything that way, yes, he's all pro safety to me. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. And safety is a tough position this year. I had a hard time figuring out my two safeties. So do you have a free safety to pair up with a strong safety hybrid guy like Jamal Adams? Who's your other guy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jesse Bates from the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, okay, right? yeah. 
That, that to me, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know we talked about him a little bit during the year, but I don't know. Out of all the guys we've talked about, I think he had the most, like, you know, biggest jump onto the scene. Like, right? Where last year I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. And then this year I went, whoa, is he the best safety in football? He is everywhere. I mean, not real big, but tackles with the same aggressiveness and craziness that a Jamal Adams tackles with or a Buda Baker or anything like that. You know, he's phenomenal there, but it's his range that I think is very special. He is one of the faster safeties in football. And yeah, he can run with receivers and tight ends if he does have to get matched up man to man. But man, in that back end, when he plays center field, I'd argue he covers more ground than anybody in the sport. This was a tough position, but I love Jesse Bates. He was one of my favorite watches all year. And I mean, no disrespect to guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, who I had a hard time leaving off this list. Um, John Johnson for the Rams. I thought about putting on this list. Of course, Honey Badger, Buda Baker, Justin Simmons for the Broncos. They're all all pro type talents. But to me, Adams and Bates stand out above the rest this year. So Jesse Bates in 2019, according to Pro Football Focus, was their 64th ranked safety out of 83. This year, moved all the way up to first. They're in agreement with Chris Sims. Jesse Bates was their number one safety this year. They Whoa. saw the similar ju- They saw the same jump you did from that guy. So well done. That Bengals secondary, I would say watch out for them. They got some good players. And, yes, good job by both of us there. We were on the same page. But, yes, again, it just shows you, you know, hey, there's a lot of good football players on some of these lesser teams in football that we don't yeah. talk about or know about. And Jesse Bates is one of those guys, if you watch the Bengals this year, you kept going, who is this crazy dude flying all over the field, throwing his body around? Oh, that's Jesse Bates. And he, he stood out in about every game I watched. Well, and that was one of the, the, the things that we talked about with the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, hey, they should be interesting to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but it's going to be fun for other teams when they're on defense. It wasn't that fun. I mean, they, they really did step up with some of the players up and down the roster for Cincinnati. It wasn't all just the Joe Burrow show. Um, I thought they made, a, they made a good jump on the defensive side. And we may or may not have one of the players in the under-talked-about award winners uh, in football. So this is what happened. So Chris, it was, I think two and a half weeks ago, uh, you were talking about Jair Alexander cornerback for the green Bay Packers. This was before his big game where he had the two interceptions in the playoffs. And you said he is one of the most, and you were, you paused, you said like under talked about players in the NFL. And I think it made perfect sense because it means like a player who's really good that we should, why don't we talk about him more? And so People did start to talk about Jair Alexander after what he did uh, in the in the postseason, but it, it wasn't happening when you first mentioned it, and so that's where we got the motivation, Chris, for the under talked about players. I feel like that is the heartbeat of this podcast. You talk about the players that need to be talked about. Agree, maybe are talked about, right? I agree. Yeah. Yes. I, no doubt. I, that's where you know I, I try. To- to be robin hood that way take from the rich give to the poor like Ooh. yes okay i know yes doesn't, doesn't know always work out good. like that let's talk about some other quarterbacks and give them yes. some love yeah right i know if it doesn't you're talking about the, yeah, like yeah if you're talking <laughs> about GameStop, sometimes things get a little tricky uh, haywire all right so we'll start let's start on the defensive side of the ball <laughs> right because i did name the defensive back in the under talked about award winner 
Jair Alexander. I gave that to you because he is the original. He was the guy that started this whole thing. Uh, top overall cornerback grade from Pro Football Focus. He was number one, Chris. That might be a little surprising to you. So they were talking about him internally there. Uh, he was just so good. He, uh, Yeah, so Jair Alexander is my under-talked-about corner. Any qualms with that? That was your no, one, not so at all. I mean, that. That, it hurt me not to have him on my All Pro team. It hurt yeah, me not to have sure. him on there. I really did, and and he's he is he's worthy of that, you know. As is like an Xavier Howard, you know, for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, those are all those type of guys. But good for you. I'm glad you got Jair on there. Uh, I thought about Jesse Bates because I just did defensive backs here. So I thought about putting him there. I'm glad you gave him love on your all-pro Chris Sims defensive team. But there's another Bengal that I put on my under-talked-about team, and that is a defensive end for the Bengals, Carl Lawson, who led the NFL with 27 quarterback knockdowns this year. Who was two through six, you ask? Oh, I'm glad you asked. He was just ahead of T.J. Watt. Chris Jones, Joey Bosa, Leonard Williams, and DeForest Buckner. This is according to Pro Football Reference. So Carl Lawson under-talked about on the defensive line. Love me some Carl Lawson. Loved him coming out of the draft in Auburn. Anybody who's been listening to my podcast since the back of the Bleacher Report days, this was one of my, like, hidden gems coming out the draft that year. You know, he had some knee issues and some bad injuries in college where he fell down the draft. But this is a great story to see because he is. He's a top-tier pass rusher in football. He was put on planet Earth to come off the ball and come around the edge against big offensive linemen. He's built for it, and he's got a great speed, but great power for his size, too. He's a little bit of an undersized guy, but you wouldn't know it by the way you see him move people around. And he stepped up in the big games against division opponents, had six quarterback hits in each of the two games versus Pittsburgh, five versus Cleveland. So he played well against those tough, uh, tough playoff teams. So that was cool to see as well. One more defensive player on the under-talked-about team. That is, and this guy is perennially under-talked-about. I think you've mentioned him before. Linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, Eric Kendricks, on the under-talked-about team as a linebacker, Chris. Good for you. Uh, you know, again, I'm glad you're hitting him because that was a guy that hurt me to keep him off like an all-pro team too. You know, like you talked about with Jair Alexander, he's that quality of a football player. He's definitely in that conversation and never seems to get the credit he deserves. And like we talked about with some of the other guys, you know, no weakness. Sideline to sideline coverage, yeah. you know, taking on fullbacks in the hole, doesn't matter. There's no, there's no negatives to his game. Love watching Kendricks play. Pro Football Focus had him as the fourth best linebacker in football this year, the second best linebacker when you're talking about in coverage. And so uh, with both of those marks, he should be talked about more. And he was not a very good defense. I mean, I think that hurts him as well as that defense overall was pretty bad. Basically, he was doing it all or trying to do it. It definitely does. Right. Uh, Okay. Offensive side. And we'll go to quarterback. I got quarterback, running back, one wide receiver, a tight end and an offensive lineman. Uh, My quarterback is very difficult because all the quarterbacks are talked about they're all it's like there's no one that's under talked about in the nfl but i think there's one player who isn't talked about enough as being good or maybe a little bit above average and that player is kurt cousins quarterback of the minnesota vikings uh this year he was eighth in passing yards he was sixth in touchdowns 
Uh, he was ninth in completed air yards per pass, and so they weren't just little dink and dunks. He's throwing the ball deep down the field, as we saw, to Adam Thielen. And I think you have to give him some credit for what we saw from Justin Jefferson this year. You know, they got rid of Stephon Diggs, one of the best wide receivers in football. And here comes Justin Jefferson. Yeah, a lot of it is is him, but a lot of it was Kirk Cousins, bringing him into an offense, making things at least easy enough for him to excel. So I think Kirk Cousins is under-talked about and maybe underappreciated. Chris, do you agree? Uh, I love it. Love it. Great pick by you. I mean, yes, phenomenal year. Like you said, top 10 type of year. And it wasn't easy. I mean, they are. It's run the ball. And then when they drop back to throw it, they look for 30 and 40 yard completions. He's one of the best down the field throwers in the game. Yeah, he might not have one of the most powerful arms or this like crazy sexy release or anything like that. But damn, the ball's on the money 90% of the time. Uh, I, I mean, yes, totally disrespected. You can win with Kirk Cousins. You can get to a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he needs a little bit of a team around him and some a little more help. But uh, I, I am a believer in Kirk Cousins with the right, right pieces around him. Yeah, and, and the personality is a little out there, right? A little, maybe a little strange, a little different, and maybe that hurts him in people's eyes. But uh, Kirk Cousins, I yeah. like his personality for being on, uh, on Probably. my team. Uh, the offensive lineman to protect Kirk Cousins cool. is a Denver Bronco, a tackle, who played every snap last year, played every snap except for one game. Garrett missed Bowles. Illness this year. Garrett Bowles of the Denver Broncos, four-year career, Third tackle uh, this year, according to Pro Football Focus, behind Trent Williams, behind David Bakhtiari. Garrett Bowles, we didn't talk about him enough, or the football community did not. No, and, uh, you know, I probably should have brought him up when we were talking about tackles and all that. You know, you're yes, talking you're about part like of the Jesse Bates jump from, like, last year to this year. Yeah, Garrett Bowles, I feel like, is that guy on the offensive line this year where you're going – Last year, I'm going, I don't know. Maybe they messed up with this pick. Maybe he's a bust. Man, it seems like everybody pushes him back to the quarterback. He's got no ability to anchor in there against power, you know, pass rushes or anything like that. But wasn't the case this year. You know, I think Mike Munchak, offensive line coach out there, has got him right now. And I think you're fine and dandy in the left tackle position for a long time to come out there in Denver. Did not allow a sack all season. Had the best pass blocking grade of any tackle to play 800 snaps. According wow. to Pro Football Focus, Garrett Bowles under talked about the jump that he made this year. Maybe it was because they could hold this year. You always got to throw that out there. Maybe just you could just do that. And so maybe he did that. I'll have to take a look at the tape. <laughs> uh, running running back is uh, the <laughs> guy that, that. Uh, the guy that ran. Uh, Ran for your guy, Kyle, in, uh, in San Francisco. Jeff Wilson, under-talked about. Uh, he averaged 4.8 yards per carry. That was up almost a full yard from the year before. 44% of his carries went over the expected uh, the expected amount. That's a next-gen stats thing. It's like they gave him the ball. It's like, oh, he got more uh, 44% of the time than they expected him. That was ninth best in the NFL. And get this, too. Because people were loading up in the box against him. He faced eight or more in the box 33% of the time. That's eighth most in the NFL. Still had a good year. Led the 49ers with 10 total touchdowns. Jeff Wilson, under-talked about this year, Chris. Like, I'm very impressed with your list. Hmm. I really am. I mean, it's well done. Jeff Wilson shocked me this year, too. 
I, I really didn't know he was that explosive or that powerful running through arm tackles and things like that. And yeah, it seems like we've talked about every other running back in the 49ers uniform the last few years, and nobody really talks about him until this year. And he got going a little bit there, you know, around week eight or 10, whenever that was. But I'm with you. He's one of those guys. I felt like at the end of the year, you couldn't tell the difference between him and Mozart. You're kind of going, wait, which one is that? Is that 30 or 31? Sure. Either way, it looks like he's got two rockets up his ass and he can go. And uh, Wilson definitely can. That was It was a good pick by you. I like that. You know what's under-talked about? The Ahmed Farid under-talked about players in the NFL. Like I feel like this will not get the love that it deserves, but thank you for appreciating it so far, uh, Chris. Two more. We got a wide receiver and a tight end. The wide receiver was hard for me. I didn't really settle on – I did settle on one, but it could have gone to a couple here. I kind of considered CeeDee Lamb in there because even though he got some love, he ended up with, what was it, 69 catches in the slot. 877 yards that's the most by a rookie wide receiver yeah in like 15 years and he did it with you know ben DiNucci and garrett gilbert and andy dalton as the quarterback so i was like that's pretty good i thought tyler lockett even though we still talked about him he had a career yeah. high in receptions just off a career high in yards 10 touchdowns i was like he had a really good year we probably should talk about him a little bit more but i think the winner is a guy that our guy uh rodney harrison really liked uh plays for tennessee Gets overshadowed by A.J. Brown. Corey Davis, former fifth overall pick, uh, was huge this year. 15th in yards uh, per reception with 15 yards per reception this year. He could get down the field and made a lot of big catches for them. He did. It was a a huge year for Corey Davis. You know, another guy that you kind of just thought, man, is this a bust? Is it ever going to really work out the right way? But great route runner. You said it. And he's got, you know, more explosive ability maybe than I gave him credit for, too. Um, but man, perfect compliment to AJ Brown, who you say you're right, gets more of the notoriety. And and AJ Brown, honestly, I thought about making him an all pro wide receiver. Sure. But you know, when you look at the good offenses, it's more times than not, you need more than just one really good quality pass catcher. And that's where Corey Davis, you know, really came in handy this year. Here's AJ Brown over the middle. He can go deep, he'll break tackles, and now you could do some of the real route running type stuff with Corey Davis. And that's where they really kind of feed off each other. It's a good pick by you. And he's been, you know, disrespected a lot through his career. I probably would have picked somebody like DJ Moore uh, or maybe even like a Terry McLaurin before him, but either way, I like that you gave him love. I'm not going to be mad at you there. And the final one tight end. And I had to pick at least one Detroit Lion for my list. Had a rough rookie year, was was a little underwhelming. But TJ Hawkinson is my under-talked-about tight end. He had a PFF grade of 60 last year, jumped all the way up to 75th this year, so that was good. Uh, Had the fourth-most touchdowns of any tight end in the NFL, third-most receiving yards behind Kelsey and behind Waller. TJ Hawkinson had a a year where we should have talked about him a little bit more. You're right. He's superstar potential. And I think next year we will be talking about him a lot more. I just think that it'll continue to go in, on the right path. And there, there's, I mean, he is like, you know, I think he's more like George Kittle than he is Travis Kelsey. You know, I think he's a better blocker than, than Kelsey. And a little bit more of just that, you know, how Kittle catches the ball. It's like pedal of the metal. And it's like just controlled craziness, right? Right. You know, Kelsey's not that way. Kelsey's a little more smooth, receiver-like. 
He's not going to, like, break tackles or lower his shoulder or run people over that way. Hawkinson will. You know, he really is an impressive football player. And you, you could see that this year with what he did. And for a good guy that can block, man, can he run and run by people and make people miss that way too. So they got something good to work with. And now he's got Dan Campbell coaching him in Detroit. This yeah. game, I would be shocked if it doesn't get, continue to go upwards. Watch out kneecaps everywhere. TJ Hawkinson is coming for them <laughs> now. Uh, and Pete reminds me too, because we have Garrett Bowles on the team. We got bowls in this house. Yeah, bowls in this bowls house. Bowls in There's this house. Garrett this... Bowls. <laughs> uh, certified freak. And under-talked about this year. I think we got to make this a tradition. Maybe this is a biannual thing. The under-talked about Chris Sims Unbuttoned Awards. Get these guys I, talking I'm, about I'm down it. for that. I'm with you. I mean, we, we really probably should come up with a team of these guys to where, hey, we always talk about these guys at each position. How about these guys who are – Every bit as good or in that conversation that their names never get mentioned. Mm-hmm. That's the tough thing about football. It really is. Uh, so many, many great good players. players go unnoticed. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We, we need to get rid of some of these good players so that we can just focus on the, on the few that there are, are actually good. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance. Jewelry. Luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, Chris, you ready? Let's finish it with the Homies Choice Awards for 2021. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we we uh, made a little Google survey, and let me check how many responses we got on this. 325, 325 total responses from the homies on questions of the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Year. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through all of them here, Chris. Let me just go through all of them here. We can react yep. at the end. Okay. How's that sound? Cool. Sounds good. Um, so the MVP, according to the homies, with 75% of the vote is your guy, Aaron Rodgers. Tying for second was Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So that the MVP goes in a landslide to Aaron Rodgers. Defensive That's why they're my player. Homies. Exactly. They know, they listen. Defensive player of the year, and this is why they're the homies too. Fifty-one percent of the vote, Aaron Donald. So basically, they're just they're living in your brain, Chris. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, listen, some you don't have to be in my brain. That one's pretty obvious. I don't yes. think uh, there's much discussion there. But what? So where was the other forty-nine percent of the vote? T.J. Watt got some, and who else? T.J. Watt got twenty percent. 
Uh, Xavier Howard got 14%, and Miles yeah. Garrett got uh, 13%. Oh, and uh, Jalen Ramsey got 8%. So there's, uh, okay. there's the rest of the percentages there. Uh, yeah, I like it. The, the Offensive Player of the Year, which goes to the non-MVP, it seems like that should be a rule. Like if you win MVP, you can't be Offensive Player of the Year because that's how we treat it anyway. Uh, and the homies honored that rule, 46% of the vote going to Derrick Henry. But Chris, 20% of the vote went to Travis Kelsey. He was second. I was a little surprised by that. It, it's, it says that the homies are pretty damn smart, though. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you talked about it. We talked about it. Kelsey is a huge part of that offense. His connection with Mahomes is very special. You know, and then... You know, how they use them. Oh, Hill's deep. Now it's Kelsey underneath, you know, working a linebacker man-to-man and doing that stuff. He's special that way. And I had another point I was going to make about him, but I blanked out, and now Hmm. I cannot remember what it was. The the other thing I love about him, too, is this, Ahmed. I mean, there's just so many games and plays throughout the year where I look at it and go, whoa, he's double covered. Whoa, they gained 35 on the play. Hey, he's double covered whoa he gained 27 on the play because Mahomes he trusts that Kelsey's going to beat the double teams a lot of the times and knows he'll know how to run the right route the right way and all those type of things so that's where uh, Kelsey is is really impressive in third with nine percent of the votes Devontae Adams so that is an angry uh angry Devontae Adams contingent coming at you in uh, <laughs> yes, in the are. homies choice awards <laughs> defensive rookie of the year uh defensive rookie of the year this one was not that close 59 percent of the vote goes to Chase Young although I was surprised second place 25 percent of the vote a player that you like very much Antoine Winfield Jr. got second according I- to the homies yeah, I fear. I feel like a lot of people in football and fans and everybody started to realize how good Antoine Winfield was towards the second half of the year. And then, yep. of course, Bruce Arians talking about him the way he was and all of those things. You know, and I know Bruce Arians has gone out there and go, no, defensive rookie of the year should be Antoine Winfield Jr. He's awesome, but he's not Chase Young. No, 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 no. Let's pump the brakes on that. Chase Young, very special, affected games a lot more than just what his sack output was. You know, I don't like that when I hear that too many times where I go, yeah. they go, whoa, Antoine Winfield's year was better than the, what did, what did Chase Young have? Eight sacks, seven and a half sacks. All right. But man, he had fourth and one tackles to not, you know, goal line tackles to not let people in the end zone, picking up fumbles, returning it for touchdowns, interceptions. Uh, so that one goes to Chase Young, but Antoine Winfield, awesome, awesome, awesome year. Zephyrin7 said, no Sneed on Defensive Rookie of the Year. I know he hasn't played a bunch of games, but when he has, he's been good. So we should have at he's least been put great. him in He's been great. Legereus Sneed of the Chiefs. Yeah, number yeah. 38 out of Louisiana Tech. Man, he can go. And our, our, our listener's right. When the Chiefs have had him and healthy, it makes them a special defense. That's one of the things that's you know intriguing about the, the Chiefs is their ability to lock down receivers here you know, down the stretch. And that's going to come in handy when they need to blitz or be aggressive to stop Brady and the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Curl Scouts of USA said, it's a damn shame you don't have Legereus Sneed on here. Dude has played lights out better than Jeff Okuda and C.J. Henderson, and he was the 13th cornerback picked in the draft. So I do blame you, Chris, for not putting him on there, even though you had nothing to do with it. 
you will carry the the burden of that. <laughs> Uh, and also, yes. Nick Nick Brown uh, commented too earlier. He goes, "How can nobody remember to spell Devonte Adams' name correctly?" So apparently, I misspelled that as well. The disrespect continues for Devonte Adams uh, here on Chris Sims. Sorry, but who is your coach of the we year? Like him. Yes, uh, coach of the year and comeback player of the year. The last two coach of the year. Forty six percent of the vote goes to Kevin Stefanski. Second was Sean McDermott with only eighteen percent of the vote. And then third, and I was a little surprised by this, uh, Brian Flores, maybe not surprised, 10% of the vote for Brian Flores. So that's the top three, according to the homies. Yeah, uh, it's hard to argue against Stefanski. That's for sure. You know, McDermott right up there. I think, you know, it'd be close. I, I would vote for Stefanski too. McDermott and I think Matt LaFleur, that would be a close one to me between that yeah. second guy. LaFleur, you know, I had somebody bring it to my attention about halfway through the year this year. And, and I, I, you know, I think it's correct. He does not get the credit he deserves for what he's done up there in Green Bay and how he's made it work with Aaron Rodgers and, of course, two NFC championship games where I'd like to see him get a little more love in that conversation. Yeah, I put him on the ballot. What did he end up getting here? Hold on. I- uh, there was there 6% of the vote for Ron Rivera. So he got some love. Matt LaFleur got 5% of the vote. Andy Reed got 7% of the vote. So he was in there. I put Joe judge on there. He got five votes. So Pete voted five times. Apparently, uh, <laughs> seriously, Sean Payton. I got, I put him on there. Uh, he got three votes and Mike Tomlin got a vote. I like that one. I like that. He Good. really would have been should. Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin deserve it. Uh, I forgot, and Pete notes out, I forgot uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. And this was a very close contest between Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson. With 51% of the vote, the winner was Justin Herbert for the Chargers over Justin Jefferson. I'm surprised. It's a close one. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's close. I mean, the quarterback's going to get the favor there. And honestly... I probably would have picked the quarterback too. You know, again, Justin Jefferson, I don't want to take anything away from him. You know how much I loved him in the pre-draft process. He was my second favorite wide receiver coming out in the draft. I mean, I, I love what he did. But Herbert, Herbert was equally as special. And I think from the fact that he came from Oregon and there was all these question marks and the Oregon offense wasn't very good. And then the fact that he had the greatest rookie year ever in the history of quarterbacks. It's hard to argue that, even as awesome as Justin Jefferson's season was. The top vote-getter for undrafted offensive rookie was James Robinson. He got 2% of the vote, but what a great year for, for him with, uh, with Jacksonville. But overshadowed by the other, other two there. And the last one, the biggest landslide in the 2021 Homies' Choice Awards, comeback player of the year with 94% of the vote, Alex Smith. Ben Roethlisberger got the remaining 5.8%. Alex Smith is the winner, comeback player of the year. No brainer. I mean, no. what are you going to do? I mean, Alex Smith was so amazing. He came back. I was going, okay, that's cool. You're you're back. All right, now go back to the sidelines and protect your leg. Like, go sit on the bench. I don't like it. I I, I mean, I I worried about him all year, as we talked about many a time, to where I I, I still – there's a part of me that wishes he retires this year, so I don't have to worry about him on the football field anymore. I just worry about that leg in general. But amazing story. 
He's an amazing guy. He's a great human being. And of course, we know his work ethic, top notch. And that was cool to see. And I'm glad he got back out there this year. Uh, one comment here from Bradley Clem three, and it was about the offensive rookie of the year. He goes, so Ahmed, uh, Ahmed made the ballot, but is there really a better offensive rookie than Tristan Wirfs? He gave up one sack all season to Khalil Mack. That's a good, that's a good throw in there. If we were going to give some love to, uh, I mean, what he was able to do for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and trust a rookie to protect Tom Brady. And not only does he do it, but he excels at it. That's a good shout. That would be like out of the rookie class, he would be one of the leaders in self-scout thyself as far as one I got wrong. You know, I, I did not think he could play tackle to the ability he has this year. I thought he was a guard all the way, you know, but he showed better foot quickness than, than what I saw, you know, up there at Iowa on film and things like that. And he has been phenomenal. I mean, really, you know, in the conversation already for one of the better right tackles in all of football, forget rookies or anything like that. So it was a special year. It's certainly one I got wrong in my evaluation process. Yeah, and uh, Bradley says he doesn't get much help anymore either. Uh, he wondered how much does no. having Brady influence how good the line is? Like, does Brady do anything? Um, like, because the line was not very good last year. Brady comes over there and they all step up. Did they just know that Tom Brady is a brittle man who would break if defensive players touched him and so they had to step up their game? Well, it does step up their game to know he's there. They don't want to be yeah. the one on TV always looking like they're getting Tom Brady hit and all of those type of things. I mean, <laughs> Brady, just by him being there, I will say, I think it raises the level of everybody. But I think more importantly, it's just the way they play. You know, I think that's really what's helped them out. They do a great job of keeping extra guys in the block. They run the ball. They run play action passes like we talked about all year. When you run a lot of play action passes, it's hard to be a pass rusher just tee off at the quarterback because you always have that moment where you go oh wait is he handing the ball off oh no he didn't okay let me start my pass rush again and that's what they've done a really nice job of but they don't help out those tackles a whole lot both of those damn tackles are really good uh and you know the Buccaneers did a a great job that's one thing that's you know everybody wants to give Brady the credit for everything down there and uh I don't agree with that that's one thing I'll say on the way out here so those are the homies' choice awards. Thanks to the 325 homies who voiced their opinion, voted in those. That was good. Well done there. That was a meaty pod. You got your all-pro team. We got the under-talked-about team. That was a lot of stuff there, Chris. And your internet connection, outside of a couple times, held up the whole time. That's that's the biggest upset of this whole thing. Pretty strong. I mean, I mean, it really is. I'm so worried. It's a blizzard outside right now, too. So I don't know what yes. the hell is going on here. But we got it done. I'm glad we hit the all-pro team. More importantly, I'm very proud we got to your under-talked-about team. That was awesome. It really was. You're the man. And then Wednesday, all right, we're going to do deep dive. I'm going to get into that Week 12 matchup with the Bucks, Chiefs, that matchup, look at it again, bring up some interesting things that I think, you know, show itself on film and, and little angles that maybe we can bring up that will affect the football game. We're going to hit that. I think we'll have Big Phil on Wednesday for a little bit. I'm not sure about that. He is part of the CBS Super Bowl broadcast this week, so he might have to be a little busy. But either way, that's what we got coming up on Wednesday, Amon. Let's do it. Hey, one more shout. Pete says, under talked about your Wi-Fi connection, holding up for the entire hour and a half, Chris Sims unbuttoned. Well done. The Wi-Fi is coming. Way to go. And the old farmhouse somehow was able to – to go the go the distance
We made it happen, baby. Way to go. Modern <laughs> technology, modern medical miracle here, right? Way to go. All right. All right. That's it. Let's do it. Ahmed, you the man. Way to go. Always appreciate you driving the ship. We'll be back Wednesday. Send questions pertaining to the matchup. Super Bowl 55. Man, there's a lot of good things to talk about. A lot of different interesting angles to hit on. You can send those to, to anywhere you find me on social media. Ahmed, you the man. You're on Wednesday, right? You're going to be on with me? Paul. Paul's with Paul? you. I think. All right. Well, Fine. The hell with you anyways. <laughs> we don't need you. All right. You know what time it is. Clap it, it up. up. Yeah. Peace out, homies. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.